Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and to say that I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show might be a little bit misleading. Um, we're, we're in a rough spot right now with this team, aren't we, right? This, this is going to be difficult to talk about. I, I did a lot of my normal notes, you know, the ups and the downs as, as best I could, and then I realized that I, I think I just need to come on here and talk to y'all for a little bit about what's going on, um, how bad can it get, and if there are any silver linings to it. Because from an on-the-field perspective right now, there really isn't much, right? The the best that I was going to be able to come up with was like, well, Chris Bryant hit his first couple of Coors Field home runs, right? But when you get absolutely trounced, by the Pittsburgh Pirates at home in a sweep. And not just a, you know, so, oh, well, they lost each game because they lost the key play three times in a row. The ball doesn't go your way. I mean, they lost bad. These were not competitive games. The Rockies haven't played competitive baseball on an at-bat-to-at-bat basis essentially for eight straight games now. A couple in Seattle that were okay, and that's a better ball club. But I tweeted out, and I don't have, you know, an encyclopedic memory for things like this, but it's also a little bit of a subjective claim, but it feels like this is the worst stretch of baseball that I have ever covered for the Colorado Rockies. Have there been other times where they've maybe lost seven or eight games in a row, almost certainly in my 10 now going into 11 years doing this, right? There have been other times that have been actually, honestly, a lot more frustrating because I expected the team to compete. So whether it was times in 17 and 18 where they did end up getting to the postseason, but obviously you still have you know downtimes during those seasons, those were a lot more frustrating because ultimately, to me anyway... Again, I predicted this team's going to win 72 games, right? It might be closer to 62. Shoot, it might be closer to 52. But the long and short of it is, they were going to fall well short of the postseason, almost certainly, right? So the fact that they're getting beaten particularly bad, right? The the run differential, as it were. How much worse does that make it? I guess that's really the question. There's a difference, I guess, between... I know the team isn't going to win a lot of games, and I can't even bring myself to watch this product on the field. They've lost in the second inning, you know? So, in a way, I think it's less frustrating because it's not like the Rockies are kicking away a bunch of golden opportunities to have had a competitive season, right? I don't think that this terrible start is... In fact, I'm going to get to some of the silver linings at the end here in a minute. And if the team was going to be terrible no matter what, right, the being terrible out of the gate is honestly probably the best case scenario. And I'll get back to that. But just speaking to, as baseball people who watch baseball every day, the last eight days of watching baseball have been absolutely brutal. Almost nothing to hang your hat on. One of the very few things that you you did have there for a minute was how great Kyle Freeland had been, right? And while the defense behind him didn't do any favors, still absolutely obliterated his ERA in this first game against Pittsburgh, right? Just 
destroyed. And there's nothing really going on out there. Was it Elias Diaz is hitting well? <laughs> Bryant with his first couple of home runs was nice to see. But beyond that, there really isn't much, right? Gomber and Arania continue to look like guys who don't even belong in Major League Baseball. The Noah Davis thing was was nice, but was that just a flash? Until he does it two or three times, you can only get so excited about it, right? And so I do think that this is from play to play, from at bat to at bat, whether you're talking about how bad their at-bats are at the plate, how bad the pitching has been on the mound, and how bad the defense has been in the field. I guess off the top of my head, I can't think of a ton of bad base running, though I can think of immediately a game they were in where they were making a comeback against the Nationals and Elias Diaz got thrown out trying to go first to third in the middle of a rally, making the third out at third base with a catcher, which is about as bad a base running play as you can possibly make. So in all aspects of the team, the back end of the bullpen continues to be pretty good. I guess that's it. Like, I guess that's the one thing, right? We haven't seen them blow a lot of saves. They've had a lot of save opportunities. You've got to be leading in the eighth or ninth innings. And when they've done that, they've handed it over to Justin Lawrence and Pierce Johnson and won those five ball games, right? But everything else, every other element of the team, especially if you're looking at it as a, you know, position wide or, or I, I always tend to, not that I'm the only one who does this, right? But my preferred breakdown of it, right? Offense, defense, starting pitching, bullpen, and then bench or depth or whatever, right? If you just look at all of those elements of the team, they've all been bad with the possible exception of the bullpen. But even the minus size guys in the bullpen have been so bad that comeback attempts basically aren't even really possible, right? And so... This is about as bad as it gets. And there's a part of me that thinks, well, okay, just for that reason alone, it'll get better. There have been other seasons. Uh, you know, I wrote one of the first articles I wrote when coming over to Mile High Sports. Uh, you can go read it now. Is about, you know, this whole June swoon. The, the, this narrative that the Rockies get off to a good start always and then have a June swoon always is just false. It's not, it's just not true. Uh, there are several seasons, including 2019 and 2021, most recently, where the team got off to an absolutely dreadful start and then did improve to an extent to, to the degree that they were able to be, you know, whatever they were those seasons, the 10th worst ball club as opposed to the worst. This team could very much, especially if Marquez is going to miss real time, end up being the worst team in baseball, certainly the worst in their division. They could be a 100 loss team. And you all know those are things that I've balked from before and and I'm not predicting them because it's still too early in the season as terrible as it has been it is still too early in the season for me to back off any season-long predictions right now if Marquez is going to miss significant time they're not going to win 70 ball games that's like even that's going to be tough for them to do unless there's some massive changes that I don't think anybody's expecting right so on down the line especially from that starting pitching standpoint, they've just been about as bad as you can be. I didn't think it would do anybody any good to, at this point, come on and recite all the astronomical ERAs and give you all of the terrible stats from the 
set and just do an, I don't know, maybe I'm leaning a little bit too much into what I think people expect from me, but the old silver linings, right? Because like I've just said, I, I want to be very, very clear. Not only do I not think this season is salvageable, I don't think it should try to be salvaged. I don't think that coming into the year, that was ever even really the point. Before I then get to the silver linings to a, an absolutely awful start, and if it even continues to be even worse if somehow it could get that way, I want to talk a little bit about Nolan Jones and Peter Lambert and why they were here, or rather, I guess, why other guys are here, right? The Rockies have this philosophy, the, this mantra, I guess, of you got to have at least a professional standing at the spot, right? And in their eyes, these young players, Tolia, Jones, uh, you know, Lambert's more of a of an injury thing, but they're not ready. And also, Harold Castro is the only other guy other than Jonathan Dazu who can play center field. And after, you know, Tovar and Trejo, he's their only middle infield guy, especially if McMahon's going to have to go back over to third base. So those guys really are around for, to play specific positions because you've got to have a professional guy there. Now, I, I see people say things like, oh, just play Nolan Jones in center field. Who cares if he's awful? You know, whatever. But again, that that's not fair to Nolan Jones. I, I, I understand. It's not a video game. <laughs> you can't just throw Nolan Jones into the most difficult center field in all of baseball to play. Ask him to go out there and run the ball down and then focus on hitting, like, it's just not a fair thing to do to him. And I've spoken before about how I'm I'm with everybody on the frustrations of the Rockies roster construction. Uh, I wouldn't have, given the situation, I wouldn't have called Jones up in the first place if you're thinking entirely from a development standpoint. I knew he wasn't going to play. The second they called him up, there's nowhere for him to immediately play. I I understood there's not a position for him to go in and, and take up, right? But... I and I think I've explained this in other places before, and maybe I should even do an article about this. Those guys got paid. <laughs> so it's a weird thing to say, but what was that all about? Why did they have two guys on the team, neither of whom played at all, and then they both got sent back down to the minors? They get paychecks for those days, and that can be massive in the the life of a minor league ball player, especially somebody like Peter, who's been recovering from injury and hasn't been able to get back out there on the field for a little while. Uh, there's also some insurance there, too. If you do need a bat off the bench, if you do need a long reliever, it's not like they were never intending to play them under any circumstances whatsoever. But... And I've spoken before also about why you shouldn't be concerned, and at least he shouldn't be concerned that that's going to torpedo his development. If he can't take three days off and then go back and hit again, he's going to have a rough time making himself a MLB regular. But the long and short of it is, yes, those guys should be getting more and more playing time as the season goes on. I'm fine with that development happening in AAA if it needs to happen. And if the lo- end result is ultimately the same, which is the Rockies are losing ball games, here's where we now get into our silver linings, right? The first most obvious one that people tend to think about when you've got a bad ball club is a higher draft pick, right? The Rockies are in 
rebuild mode, whether or not they want to use that word or fully commit to an idea that I think other people would prefer, which is the full teardown rebuild mode. But the Rockies are playing for the future, and they're playing for the future around a young core of ball players, some of whom have not even made their major league debuts yet, guys like Zach Veen and Drew Romo. And they very much know that, and they've been very clear about that as well. So having whether it's the number one overall draft pick or a top five pick. Uh, it's been a little while, oddly enough, since the Rockies have had a top five draft pick. Uh, you know, back in the day when I first started, uh, they, they had several of them in a row where they ended up picking up players like John Gray and Brendan Rodgers were both top five draft picks where guys like Kyle Freeland and David Dahl were both in the nine pick range where they've been kind of lately, right? So it'd be interesting to see what they do with uh, a top overall draft pick. I haven't done a whole lot of research yet into uh, the draft class. Now, remember that this would be for the, the draft that's coming up in a couple of months and a year from now, not the one that's com coming up in just a couple of months where the Rockies do have the ninth pick, right? Some people have asked me about the draft lottery. Yes, that should be a little bit of a concern that Major League Baseball now has this lottery system. It's pretty weighted uh, insofar that this last year when they did it, nothing changed. It, it basically played. I think there was one team that moved up a little bit. Other than that, everybody was just where they were in accordance to their record. Now, we all know how terrible Rocky's luck is, and so... I can absolutely see a scenario by which they, for the first time in their history, end up with the worst record in all of baseball, lose 100-plus games, and then end up with like the third or fourth overall pick because of the draft lottery, right? It can happen percentage-wise. It's not incredibly likely. I'm going to have to go and do a bunch more research now because this is what the season's going to be about, not only on the draft, but obviously on, on who the prospects are going to be you know, a year and a couple of months from now. But there's so much that can change on the amateur baseball side. I mean, we're talking about there are high school kids who are going to get drafted, you know, in the first round next year who are sophomores in high school right now. Like, I, I can't <laughs> speak super intelligently about, you know, 17-year-olds in Florida and California right now. But other places too, but primarily, <laughs> primarily those. So a higher draft pick is a good thing. Uh, I've often talked about in my arguments against, you know, purposefully torpedoing your chance to win ball games about how it's not a cure-all that sometimes you can get just as good a player with the seventh, eighth, or ninth pick as you can with the third or fourth. Ending up with 1-1 one, one overall is, of course, the best possible scenario because then you do just have your choice of any amateur ball player out there in the world. And if it turns out that it's one of those drafts where there is... Um, a Bryce Harper or a whatever one of those. And and the one ones that seem like they're absolute can't misses very rarely turn into absolute can't misses. But there have been some interesting ones over the year. Hunter Green, who was number two overall pick, just got a pretty tasty contract with the Cincinnati Reds, and he's been fantastic. So you can look for something like that. But at the very least, that is one thing you have to look forward to. But for me, the silver lining of the terrible start will be that, and, and I do think that this will happen, where, where I don't think losing 100 games, for example, is going to convince Dick Monfort to dramatically shift 
his perspective and his philosophy and do things differently or clean house or sell the team or any of that. Like, that's all pie in the sky stuff to me. I, I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think that could happen is, especially if, you know, in the next month or so, they continue to be among, if not the worst team in all of baseball, is that they will finally start to sell off and trade some of these veteran pieces and really hand the thing over to the next generation. Um, I still don't think they're ever going to trade Charlie Blackman. I, I think, you know, we all understand a little bit why that is. Uh, I also don't think that Charlie just has a ton of value. He's got a big old honking contract, even though it expires at the end of the year, the team acquiring him would still have to pay for the rest of it. And he just isn't the ball player he used to be, right? He's just not the hitter. He's been better, but I don't think he's going to get you a ton. But I do think that in a scenario where the Rockies continue to really struggle, especially if Daniel Bard can come back and pitch pretty well, CJ Crone can get hot a little bit. I think that the that Bill Schmidt in particular will recognize, yeah, these are the guys that we need to move. I, I Because I have seen the aggressiveness. Now, I know people are going, what do you mean the aggressiveness? They totally benched Toglia and Jones. Like, no, those guys went over spring training, dude. You can't just put a guy on a major league roster and hope that his struggles against double A AA and triple A pitching are going to go away, right? They are still high on those guys. Just because they're in AAA doesn't mean that they don't like them or that it's a punishment. It's, if anything, a sign that they really, really need those guys to be at their absolute best. They're going to be here, whether it's within weeks or months, right? I've seen some people crying out for Zach Veen. He's not the savior of this team, not this season. Again, this is not about winning more ball games in 2023. They're not going to do that. They don't have the personnel to salvage this season. It was always going to be a bad season and always had the potential to be maybe their worst season ever from a wins-losses standpoint, right? Where I think for at least the, the savvier fans who are listening to podcasts like this, where I think the frustration will be lessened again, especially if they continue to lose, is that we are going to see far fewer veterans out there that they will have to recognize that any chance to sneak into contention is gone. That any opportunity to roll this thing back uh, with more or less what you've got and compete is gone. While I have often been against the idea of absolute fire sales at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, this is a team that is built to do that. And so there is some extent to which you have to play those veterans in the meantime, because if you're going to trade them, you need guys like Profar, maybe Moustakis, who's actually looked pretty good at the plate. Uh, obviously, Crone, Bard. If you're going to trade Charlie, you need him hitting well, right? And so... I do think that we're going to see some of these guys get traded off and the team handed over to the young guys in the second half. I don't think it's going to happen as soon as people... Obviously, there are a lot of people who just want it to happen right now, right? This second, it should already be the young guys and it shouldn't be these veterans. And, and I get it. And I don't even necessarily disagree. I just also understand that there's a, a certain way that things are done, I guess. <laughs> Not just for the Rockies, just kind of across the board. Um, but... 
that I think will be the the biggest silver lining because if they had gotten out to a 500 start, I mean, you know and I know that this team can convince themselves that, hey, maybe we're going to compete this year. Hey, maybe, you know, we haven't been getting lucky. Maybe we're, we're going to add to it and we're going to get so-and-so back. And then we're, you know, Sensatella comes back and now we're really on a roll, right? But now you're, you, you just don't have that, right? There's no lying to yourself and convincing yourself that this version of the Rockies has been anywhere close to competitive. They aren't an Antonio Sensatella return away from being a 500 ball club, even a 500 ball club. They're not there. And so, again, where some people, I think, have long made the argument that enough losing will snap Dick Monfort out of it, make him change his ways, I don't think that that's true for a grand overall philosophy of things or for the number of losses in a season. But I do think if you're out of it early, if it's abundantly clear that they just are not going to compete this season it'll be that much easier to move on from veterans who aren't signed in the long term anyway to make room for the guys they've already made it clear they're very excited about for their future, especially anyone who was watching this spring training, right? Knows who these players are that are on the cusp, right? So at this point, a best case scenario for the Rockies, if you're if you're hoping for the future, is actually that they continue to lose because, the again, the draft pick and the possibility, I would even argue maybe the probability that they'll blow it up if they're bad enough at the deadline, right, or before. But also that these veterans get a little bit hot so that the Rockies can get something for them, right? Particularly Profar and Moustakis, would be really nice to see those guys start contributing, look like they can maybe be good pickups for another contender out there, and that way the Rockies will have gotten something out of these veteran pickups. A guy like Harold Castro, I don't think is going to do that, but you never know. You, you, you never know when a team out there might be like, actually, he's looked pretty solid, and maybe as a defensive replacement, super utility guy the way the Rockies, I mean, he can't hit, but if he's a, someone needs a defender at five or six different positions, then okay. But that's, I think, the best case scenario for this team is that the veterans play a little better, enough so that they can get traded for something of substance. The Rockies can do that when it's time and then hand the team over to the young guys, who, by the way, will almost certainly continue to struggle just as much as the team we're watching now. It'll just be less frustrating because those struggles will be a part of a growth process where we can say, ah, you know, Peter Lambert didn't have it today, but maybe he will next time. And it's part of the reason why my leash, even at this point, even as ugly as that start was the other day, I've got a longer leash on Austin Gomber. Not that I get to decide <laughs> the length of his leash, but for me personally, just because there's still more potential there to learn and find out as, as bad as he's, as he's been, whereas a guy like Jose Urania, nothing, right? Nothing new to learn. He's pitched in a ton of major league baseball games and he's never been good right uh and, and similar like harold castro's never been able to hit right ever he's been in baseball for several years with detroit can't hit good defender a lot of different positions can't hit so 
when you start replacing those guys with younger players who may struggle just as much, but you can look for those signs of growth at the very least, kind of like Ezekiel Tovar right now. Ezekiel Tovar is, just like everybody else on the team, not producing, right? But still, there's something about every time he steps up to the plate, it's still kind of exciting. There's still something there where you're like, okay, let's see a little bit more this time. Every time the ball gets hit in his direction, he made a couple of nice plays over the last few days. If you're looking for on-field silver lines, that's one. He looked good on defense, right? That's part of the frustration with Montero. And I'm going to do a whole conversation. I talked a little bit about Nolan Jones there for a second. I got to do a whole extra podcast probably tomorrow just on the whole Montero third base situation, which is very frustrating as well that the Rockies are, and I get it, he's been bad defensively, but that's not what's costing you ball games. And at this point, you're losing ball games no matter what. So how can you afford to take out your best young hitter right now? The only guy in the lineup who was hitting consistently well, you take him out because again, it's that adherence to like a sort of floor of major league baseball professional play, right? They just have this idea of like, if you can't at the very least match the floor of what we perceive to be a major league ball player at these positions, at the position you play, then we're not going to play you. Which is why Jones and Tolia are not on this team and guys like Profar and Castro are. And there's an extent to which I understand that. But that decision, like I said, I'm going to do a whole podcast on Montero tomorrow. But I I strongly disagree with what they're doing right now with Montero. Which, to be a little bit fair to them, is so far nothing other than a momentary benching. But even that, I think, is quite frankly asinine. So I'll get into that in the next couple of days. But I'm going to wrap this one up here because I was trying to finish on silver linings of the terrible start. Which is simply that in the long term of the franchise... You know, there, there are people out there who've often argued it's better to be absolutely terrible than to be mediocre. And a lot of times I disagree with that statement. It, it kind of depends on where your roster is. But right now for the Rockies, I agree with that statement. It's actually better for them to be absolutely terrible than for them to be mediocre. Because mediocrity, I think, might have fooled them into thinking that they could compete with some of the pieces that they have. And they can't. They have got to rework around the a new era of young ball players and whatever else they can bring in that isn't this. God, I heard, I think it was during the Gomber game. They come on during the with the intercom and they'll let us know who's warming up in the bullpen. And the <laughs> Corey came on. And he says, you know, now warming up for the Rockies in the pen is like the second inning. And I went just literally anybody else. <laughs> Poor Gomber, but I mean. And that's kind of where the team is at right now, right? Just, can someone else pitch? Yeah, how about this guy? Oh, okay, now can someone else else pitch? It's like that. But in the long run, if they play it properly, and a lot of this will be on, of course, GM Bill Schmidt, they can take this terribleness and use it as a way to inject the beginning of the new era with a little bit of life. We'll see how they play it. For now, I can only just apologize for the absolute absurdity of the baseball on the field and do my best to break it down and answer your questions when you have them. But from an on-field standpoint, I don't know what to tell you, folks. It's awful out there. Truly, epically terrible. Like I said earlier, maybe that just means that 
There's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Thank you all for listening into this episode. Let me know if you think there are any silver linings that I missed here. I did my best to, to give them to you. So uh, just other than that, keep being absolutely awesome out there. I'll keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.